everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. We're so blessed, and uh, again, to have you or just have a really a big family time uh, this morning. We have baby dedication. We're going to send out our missions team. We're going to take communion together, and uh, we're going to look at the Word uh, just a little bit. So we're always uh, just blessed. We, last week, we uh, dedicated uh, a baby to the Lord, but uh, as a church family and as families, it's such an honor and such a privilege, uh, as we know really the plan of God. Children are a blessing from God. And so when we dedicate our children to the Lord, and if you're visiting with us, we don't baptize our, our children in water or sprinkle them. Uh, if we look at the scripture, again, everybody does things just a different uh, way. But we look at dedication, Samuel, and First Samuel, as uh, Hannah cried out to, to the Lord and, and uh, desired a son. Um, God gave Hannah a son, Samuel, and uh, she dedicated him back to the Lord in extreme uh, instance there, dedicated him back. And so he actually lived with the priest and became uh, the prophet uh, that God had uh, called him to be and uh, there. But in, in Luke, the second chapter, it says, as the custom was, Jesus was dedicated in the temple that day. And so in dedication, we uh, bring our children to the Lord, believing that they are a gift from God, as Jeremiah uh, says, that before he was ever formed, God knew him and called him to be a prophet to the nations. And so at that place, we believe that God knows our children, has a plan for their life. We dedicate our children to God in that plan. But it's not just uh, parents saying, here's our child, but they're dedicating themselves to raise uh, the children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So when they're old, they'll not depart from it. They'll uh, not go away because we put the word of God into them. So it's working together. We as parents are stewards of this uh, life that God has so blessed us with. And uh, so it takes great wisdom and understanding uh, for each individual child, each individual person. And so if you're parents, you know that it takes wisdom. No child is the same. You can have rules in your house, uh, but and that helps guide them in consistency. But there's always special things about them that you're nurturing, that you're cherishing. We have one a sensitive daughter, one strong-willed daughter, guiding them both had little different nuances to that. And uh, we just, you know, always when we dedicate ourselves, ask God for wisdom as well. So we have <clears throat> just a great privilege as church family uh, to dedicate little Lila Grace Malden to the Lord. So if uh, you all would come, Brooke and Jake and Asa and any family that's coming, praise the Lord. How you doing, Asa? Do you remember the day that you got dedicated? No? All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can I hold you? Praise the Lord. Man, you are looking beautiful here. Aren't you looking pretty? Praise the Lord. See, I always like this with children because when they look at you, See, I have to smile and stuff, but they look and they're like, oh my God, uh, who are those people, huh? Why don't you all stand up, stretch your hands out here. Father, we're just so grateful. We're so thankful for your plan of legacy of family. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Lila. God, that you have your hand upon her life, that you have a plan for her, that there's already gifts on the inside of her that Bring spring forth and flourish, Father. We dedicate her to you this morning with great thanksgiving, with great joy in our hearts, knowing that plan that you have for her life is for good, not evil, for a great future and a great desired outcome, Father. I pray over her that she'll rise in all of her boldness, 
The will that you've placed on the inside of her will be guided in such a way that she'll be determined in her generation to walk as a light. The sensitivity that she has will show love and compassion to others, but the determination will move her forward, cause her to be a leader in her generation amongst her peers. Father, we just thank you for the grace upon her life. Such goodness, such favor will encompass around her and guide her as she walks through life. And so we thank you. We dedicate her to that plan and that purpose for her life. Father, we pray for Jake and Brooke as they raise her in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that she'll not depart from it, but she'll walk in it all the days of her life. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless the baby. We lift one more time. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. I have a gift for you here. Hallelujah. There you go. See ya. See ya. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. We started a series of messages on the power of the blood of Jesus. And I just want to remind you, again, as we go through this, we can talk about the blood. If you've been a Christian for uh, a while, then you know, you know you, you've heard about the blood. But there is, uh, as we pray, uh, just for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the blood of Jesus. For everything that encompasses us as, as a Christian all has to do with the blood of Jesus. And we can know that. It can be a story to us, but there's really life in the blood of Jesus. And so even the Spirit of God accompanies the understanding of the blood, for all the life of all flesh is in the blood, the Bible says. And so from that perspective, in, in, in the Old Testament where it says the life of all flesh is in the blood, it's warning not to eat or drink the blood of an animal because its life is in the blood. And so that's what threw everybody off. You know, when Jesus said, you'll eat my flesh and you'll drink my blood, it was like against the law. But it was purposeful to say that because to partake of the blood of Jesus in communion is a place where we partake of his very life. And that was the plan of God from the very beginning is that we would partake of his life. He breathed his life on the inside of us. And so when sin came, we defined that last week, when sin came, which was self-will, over God's will. When I determined my self-will to make my own decisions based on my feelings, my emotions over God's will, then I w that's, that's defined as sin. Him who knows to do right doesn't do it. To him it's sin. And so we call all kinds of thin things sin, you know, drinking, smoking, cussing, partying, all that stuff we call it sin. And there's a part to do with that because we make decisions apart from God thinking it will fulfill us and somehow give us value. But none of those things have really the, the capacity to give us value, and none of those have the ability to expand our capacity to really walk in the value that God has placed upon our life. There's only one thing that can actually give the value to your life that is needed for you to feel fulfilled and be able to be successful and have a capacity greater than yourself, and that is the blood of Jesus. And so when we start to understand that, not just put it in the context of, oh yeah, I know that as a religious idea, but begin by the Spirit of God to comprehend, to have a revelation of the power of the blood, that it is spiritual, it's not just natural. When it was poured out, it was his blood, but it has a spiritual connotation. And so when he rose from the dead and ascended on high and sprinkled that blood upon the mercy seat in heaven, 
the real mercy seat, that place where God's mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we begin to, uh, it begins to unlock and unfold for us the reality of some things. Not just that we're going to heaven, but that we have received in Christ Jesus a newness of life, a freshness of life. We've received his life that comes supernaturally through the blood. And so otherwise, sin comes into our life and we start making our own decisions based on our own view of things, which is always temporal. You'll always make the wrong decision when it's selfish. You'll think it'll work out, but it never seems to turn out quite right. You get something and it never fully satisfies, so then you have to do something else. But God has a plan because he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He knows eternity. And really, yeah, we were born again. We were purchased by the blood of God through the eternal spirit. So it opens up eternal life, which we talked about. Uh, that eternal life is not just a life that has no beginning and no end. But because it has no beginning and no end, the nature of it never, ever changes. So it's the same. So if we step out today, we come back, thank God it's still the same. His mercies are new every morning. When we made a mistake, it didn't change. So when we come back to obtain mercy, his mercy is exactly the same. His love is exactly the same. His grace is exactly the same. Why? Because it's in eternity. Eternity continues on the same, right? It's not just it doesn't have a beginning and end. So we live in this realm that has a beginning, which means there must be decay. We're looking for increase and decrease all the time. But God says, listen, I have abundance all the time. There is no decrease in the kingdom of God because things are the same. When he talks about abundance, it's because it's always the same. And so this eternal life that is in the blood of Jesus, a revelation of that, and then an application in our lives and in our hearts is incredibly important right? So that we begin to understand that our Christian life is not just about good deeds, but our Christian life, being a Christian, means Christ in you. Christ in you, right? So when, as we talk about the blood of redemption this morning, I want you to keep that in mind. Paul said, listen, what's been revealed to me was the mystery hidden from the ages, the thing that kept people striving and trying to do good and trying to live up and measure up because of what sin had done. Sin didn't only break our relationship with God. It affected us in our relationship with God, but it affected God in the fact that God said and stated and put a law in the earth from the very beginning that the wages of sin was death. So when sin entered the earth, it affected man's relationship with God in that justice had to be served. The wrath of God had to be focused towards the humans that he loved because of sin. And so there was only one thing that could satisfy that justice. So God's view or God's move towards us would change and our move towards God would change. And it was the blood. It was the blood. Amen. And so even at this, we can know the blood, but we're striving for different things. But when we understand the blood and the relationship that's been restored to us by the blood, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Paul said the mystery hidden, this striving, this trying to satisfy of my own self, God, pleasing God and, and pleasing God's wrath towards me that I sense simply because of sin. Simply because of sin. So many people are running around and, and have an idea. People are judging me. People need to stop judging me. And even if somebody points out you're wrong, it doesn't mean they're judging you. 
But the Bible tells us sin with itself brings condemnation. Sin with itself brings condemnation. Condemnation being, brings guilt. Guilt brings shame. And so we begin to get into this. And so to try to hide it, to try to not feel it, we harden our hearts. We manipulate things. Sometimes we get a victim mentality because if somebody did something more wrong to me than what I've done, somehow in a weird way that satisfies the fact that I'm justified in my wrong because somebody wronged me more than I wronged them. And so we get a big uh, victim mentality, but it actually never goes away because sin in itself carries condemnation because of that relationship that was broken and the justice that has to be satisfied. So in our conscience, we know that without the blood of Jesus. But as we said last week, the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from sin. When the blood of Jesus is received, there's a, a cleansing in our knowledge so we can be more conscious of the new life that we have in the blood of Jesus than we are of that old sin nature. So Hebrews chapter 9, we want to talk about the blood of redemption this morning for just a few minutes. And so Hebrews, the ninth chapter in the seventh verse, says this, but... Uh, Seventh verse, speaking of the Old Testament priest, it says, but uh, into the second part, or the holiest of holies, the high priest went alone once a year. Every single year at the uh, Day of Atonement, the priest had to go in, not without blood. Somebody say, not without blood. So he could not go in, offer the sacrifice without the blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance, one time every year. Verse 11, but Christ came as a high priest of good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption." eternal redemption. In other words, he purchased your life away from sin once and for all. He'll never do it again, right? The Hebrews says in chapter 10, there will not be another sacrifice offered up. In other words, if the blood of Jesus can't do it for you, there's nothing that will. He offered it up one time for everybody. And the revelation of that blood and knowing what the blood has done in a reality and growing in the revelation of that will cause us to not count the blood common. And so many Christians have heard about the blood too often that they just, oh yeah, the blood. But the Bible says we'll start to fall back into old habits, and in that, we'll tread underfoot the grace of God, we'll frustrate the grace of God, because we count the blood a common thing, and we tread underfoot the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we always want to be aware and thinking about the power of the blood and the cross. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them who are perishing. So Jesus died on the cross. I don't understand that. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God to recognize what God did in Christ Jesus to pay the price for our sin that we could be brought out and that he could inhabit our lives. He could totally renovate our lives and start anew so we could have a newness of life. Amen. And so turn over to, uh, with me uh, to um, Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read this in the, the Passion Translation. Verse 
Right prior to this, Paul says, the wage, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so right after that, he says this, yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Highlight that, underline that, write that down in your notes. It'll help you. He has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. I want to stop there for just a minute because some people will say, well, now you can't tell people that because they will feel no guilt, and they should feel guilty when they sin. And we just need to keep them warned. But understand this. You can say, I'm free from the guilt because you've hardened your heart, but it's still sin brings with it condemnation. The understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus that I'm totally cleansed from my sin, you won't go back to it because you'll realize it has no hook. I'm totally free from it. See, we can say I have no guilt or it doesn't bother me to sin. Well, if it doesn't bother you to sin, you have a problem. Just saying. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I mean, you need to come to Jesus because your life's going down the wrong way, the wrong direction. And it does bother you. The Bible says it does bother you. You've hardened your heart. You're on a road to destruction, right? If it doesn't bother you. But most people, it bothers them. They're trying to find a way out, right? And so uh, he says, because sin with itself brings guilt, it brings the knowledge that there is punishment. I deserve some sort of punishment. And then it takes power over you. But Jesus came to remove the guilt, the the punishment, and the power. So if that all happens, sin no longer has power. I don't have the fear of punishment. There's no guilt. Therefore, I walk away from sin because I've been freed from it. When I experience the relationship that I'm supposed to have through the blood of Jesus, I no longer want to do my own thing. I want to do life with him. And that God wants to do life with you. That's why he sent Jesus. Not just to get you to heaven, but to do life with you. Praise the Lord. That's good news. To do life with God. Because God's not as religious as you think he is. He enjoys life. He sits in the heavens and laughs. He's got things prepared for you to enjoy that you haven't even dreamed of yet. He's got influence for you on people's lives that will cause you to almost want to do backflips because of how you were able to influence somebody away from something that was killing them into a greater life. He wants to put something, a love and compassion on the inside of our hearts that causes us to look out at people and say, man, I can't help but share good news with them. I'm not locked in my own little world. I'm not afraid of people. God's not given me a a spirit of timidity and fear about what's going on, but he's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have so many people who are confused, we, we, mental health issues, but God says, I didn't want people to have mental health issues. I gave them a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And he said, there's so much stuff coming into people's minds that create confusion, but the entrance of my word brings light. Not just the knowledge, but the allowing to receive, not simply from men, but the spirit of God concerning what the blood has done. And the Spirit of God will make it to make sense to us. 
Amen. So Jesus, God-given destiny, was to be the sacrifice to take away, away sin, to take away sin. Again, highlight that and underline that, take away sin. Somebody say, take away. Come on, not just say, well, I'll forgive you. He came to take it away. Why are we holding on to it? Why are we keeping it in our garage somewhere or in our storage closet somewhere if he took it away? He took it to the dump. You know, the only sometimes the only way to get rid of that old easy chair recliner that you know should go. You can move it to different rooms, but you always find it that old comfortable thing. The only way is to pack it in the truck and take it away. Right? And then when it's gone, you might search around all the house and go, miss that old chair. But pretty soon, a brand new chair comes in and you're like, thank God we got the new one. But you wouldn't get the new one until the old one was taken away. And so as Christians, if we understand Jesus took our sin away, things we used to do, things that brought guilt and shame, things that, that struggled with but we couldn't let go of because they've always been there, he took them away. Now we need something new, and it's his life. So he took our sin away, but he brought righteousness for us to enjoy. Come on, he took it away. And now he is our mercy seat. Because of his death on the cross, we come to him for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven. God has made provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy, to offer up his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. So redemption, which means to purchase or to ransom a life, right, to ransom back, it says that God purchased our life in order to make us righteous. Sin broke our righteousness, our relationship with God. Sin separated us from God. Sin began a process of devaluing our life. Didn't know it, but it began to devalue our life. We keep going, you know, many people get to the end of their life and they say this, wow, I spent a lot of time doing this and that, and now it's almost over I have to really focus on the things that are really have value. They usually come to God and family, some things that really have value, because they're just running around devaluing their life. Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin and the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to devalue life. There's only one thing that gives the proper value to life, and it's the blood of Jesus. So he redeemed us. Everything is worth what you're willing to pay for it. And so God looked at your life, no matter what has happened, what has devalued your life, what abuse has come in, what things have happened. We have more hopelessness in the world today than at any time, really, in, in recent history, probably 100 years, such low self-esteem, such hopelessness 
such people thinking their life's not worthy enough to go on, they're ending their life, all because sin has come in unknowingly, subtly, devaluing their life to the place where they feel like, I don't even need to be here when God has a great plan. God has an amazing plan to move on, and he wants us to understand that our life is of an eternal value. Our life is valued at the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet we keep imparting and and, and participating in stuff that devalues and wonder, why am I struggling? Why am I mentally and emotionally struggling? Because I'm trying to find value in something that does not have the proper value. But in the blood of Jesus, there's great value. It's the value of the Son of God. And so he paid for our life. He said, listen, you you are separate from me. I created you to be my son. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay this price, the blood or the life of my own son, to purchase you out of sin and give you the value of what? My son. So he gave his son and the life of his son to purchase you out of a valueless life to come in and give you the value of a son. A son and a daughter of the Most High God. Come on, that should float your boat. I am a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God, the Almighty God. If that bores you, you need to get straightened out. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. Put the stars in the sky. You want some extreme stuff going on? We're looking for extreme stuff to make us feel great. God's got some extreme stuff coming, and he's created everything. And he says, now I've taken you out of this value life that you're governed by the course of this world, the sin of the day, whatever happens, the fads that go on, and I've put you into eternal life with a great plan and placed value upon your life so that you can begin to walk in a fulfillment of what you were created to do. It's called redemption. The blood of Jesus. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, we couldn't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We couldn't have that life of God. We were under the curse of sin, and Jesus came and became a curse for us to break the curse over our life that we might receive the promise of the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. To ever be conscious every day, as the Apostle Paul said, not that God is somewhere else, like we said last week. God doesn't get left in church. If you leave Jesus in church, then wherever you go out there, it may be fine. You may be going places you don't want to take him with you. But at some day and some point, you're going to wonder where he is and why he wasn't where you wanted him to be. But it's because you left him at church every Sunday that he's not where you want him to be. You left him in the prayer closet every morning and wonder, why isn't he out here at work when I need him? But you consciously said, I'm out of the prayer closet, that's where God is. I'm out of church, that's where God is. So when I want to go do something I know that I want to do that God doesn't want me to do, he's back at church, and I'll go back to church next Sunday and make it up to him. But unfortunately, he made a covenant with you that he'll never break, that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He'll be with you wherever you go. You're just not conscious of it. And so he wants us to be conscious that we're redeemed, that he lives on the inside of us. The very essence of Christianity is not going to heaven, but that Christ lives in us. It's our hope of the glory and the presence of God not only being in us, but being seen through us. 
And with that, all the amazing things that go with his life. So he redeemed us. He bought us back. He bought us for a purchase. To, to re- he purchased our life to renovate our life. And so, you know, I, um, uh, I'm, I'm a, a very amateur uh, vehicle restorer. But, uh, you know, some years ago, got blessed with a 1978 Ford uh, Highboy four-wheel drive F-250 pickup. And it's something that I wanted since I was in high school. One of my good friends in high school, his parents got him a, a Ford uh, pickup uh, when we were in high school. So we, we, everywhere we went, we went in his pickup. It was brand new. And uh, from that point, I'm like, man, I want a pickup like this. And so I never lost that. I mean, growing up and everything, I had different cars, but I always had my eye on a Ford pickup. And so, uh, you know, fine, uh, finally, you know, got blessed with this pickup, and it was rusted out. It had been a ranch pickup, and uh, the bed was all rusted out, rusted out. But when I got it, I had a plan to restore it. Man, I just started looking at it, and I said, I want to restore this thing back to normal, what it was from the beginning. And so, you know, I started, had to take the bed off, put a new bed on. I'm an amateur restorer. I see, I see Cecil here. He kind of looks over and, and nods at Betty. And this guy is a professional restorer. Now, he's got some, whoo, he's got some sweet cars. I should probably have him preach this message because um, he knows how to redeem and to restore a car. So mine's weak, but you can, he can fill in the gaps if you ever want to know about restoring cars. But, uh, you know, I had to pull the bed off, put a new bed on. Uh, uh, the truck because it was all rusted out. There was rust in different places. And so I, I just decided I wanted it to be uh, as close to the color as I can get it right now. So I had him paint the color. And then I said, you know, I don't just want the color. I want the same striping that was on it in 1978. And so then they, they, you know, they had to go about it, and they, they put the same striping that's on it. And then I went in and tried to, you know, grind the floor, get the rust off. I put new carpet in it. I reupholstered the seed, put a, a different dash in it, just getting it back, you know, to where it was. And so I'm working on it, getting going. Uh, you know, and one day, you know, somebody came and said, you know, uh, you can make this better than just restore it to normal. We have a mechanic in the church, and uh, you should check in to, to having him put headers on it. So I'm like, all right. That sounds good, so I talked to him. So put an intake manifold on it, put headers on it, put straight pipes to the back of it, and, uh, man, you start that thing up. Man, it's sounding good. And so, you know, we're, uh, my, my oldest daughter was driving. She was going to pick up something, uh, some furniture that her nana gave her uh, for her apartment. And so I said, well, we, we'll take two trucks. You can take the 78. I'll follow you down. So I'm just driving down the interstate, put my windows down. So I'm following. I'm just behind her. I can hear that. Just even going down the interstate. It's just, I'm like, this is sounding so good. Then all of a sudden, just, just outside between Rulis and Parachute, poof. This white smoke comes out. She just drives it over. I'm like, oh, no. The engine overheated, locked up. So, you know, as most people think, you know, God is, they say, well, he redeemed my life, but I made a mistake. God's just going to leave me on the side of the road. But I said, I was making phone calls right away. My 78 is on the side of the road. We cannot leave it there very long, lest somebody run into it. So I got somebody as quick as I could to get my 78 out of there, bring it home, put it in the garage, all the while knowing we're putting a new engine in this baby someday. So I had that in my sights, but that was going to be a little bit spendy. And man, I'll just tell you what, some people got around, and for Christmas, a number of people blessed me with a new engine in my 78 pickup. 
Praise the Lord. And some brand new big tires. So now, we're not just restoring it to normal. We're getting better than normal. See, when Jesus purchased your life, he, depend, he planned on coming in and transforming it. And not just bringing it back to normal, but he thought he'd put on some, some uh, uh, headers, some straight pipe exhaust, put a new engine, an intake manifold, put some big tires on it. He gets you running, right? Put a new engine, put a new heart in you, right? But at the same time that I've done all that work, and I'm not done yet, but I'm working. One thing is it's increased the value, right? To restore and transform has increased the value. God paid the price for your life, and he's increasing value. And he's renovating by the Spirit of God some things. But right now, that truck is just down there in the garage, sitting looking pretty. And, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody around that works around here, they want to be very careful around the truck. And so <laughs> John's over there like, yep. Um, because sometimes people don't value things the way you do. It just looks like an old truck. Even some people would say, why would I want to drive that old truck? I said, well, you should try it one time. Yeah, but it doesn't have air conditioning. That's the fun of it. <laughs> Roll the windows down, let some hair, wind blow through your hair or something. I mean, sometimes we just want everything. God just like, here's, here's the way it's supposed to work. But, you know, they get around it. So they were working down there one day, and I, I was out of town, and I get this picture. Uh-oh. Somebody scratched your truck. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and they took a picture up close, so it looks like, you know, this is this huge scratch. So I'm like, oh, my God. They scratched the truck. So I get home, and our worker, he comes up, and he hands me cash money. He's like, here, I'll pay for it. I'm sorry. So I held on to it for a little bit, all the while going, no, you're not going to pay for that. We'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. See, sometimes we think, oh, i got to pay for it. But Jesus is paying. He's paying for the whole renovation. He's having all that. But it's sitting down there. And all the while I was sitting down there, it's just looking pretty. But you know what? If I go down there after church today and I get in that truck and I start it, when I start it, I'm kicking that gas a little. And then everything that's in that truck, in that engine, is going to start moving. And it's going to start pumping. And some of it's going out those straight pipes. So when I get in it, it gets a little warmed up. I'm kicking that gas. It's going to go. And then if I decide to get it out and go out here, I'm going to get on that thing right here, and you would hear it. But it's not going to do that until I get in it. And I purchased it, or it was given to me. I would have purchased it. I purchased all the renovation of it for that very reason that I could inhabit it and put it to work for the design that I renovated it to do. In redemption, Jesus purchased your life. That he could bring it back and renovate and restore it to his plan. And you can sit in church and look pretty. But he said, I didn't purchase you for that reason. 
I got you looking better and washed you of your sin so that I could come in. And when I come in, I'm going to kick some gas and we're going to go blah, 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 blah. And when I take you out of this place, we're going to put it down. We're going to make a little bit of noise when we're going out of this place because the spirit of the living God dwells on the inside of you. Huh? Come on. He's going to have some fun. And you're going to have fun. And the funny thing is, is that truck didn't pay one dime. For what it's become. Not one dime. But when I get it, it just runs like it's supposed to run. And when it doesn't, then I start to work and buy to bring it back to the point. Or ask somebody to do it for me. Praise the Lord. So God purchased your life. And something breaks down just a little bit because you don't know. And he'll work on it. He'll get it fixed back up. So that you can really understand. So we want to get to this point. He redeemed your life. And it's so important to know that he came to live on the inside of you. And so in redemption, he brought the forgiveness of sin. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to partake of communion here in just a few moments. And I want to make you aware of this. If you were here with us last week, we talked about this so much. That what you are conscious of is what you'll experience. So if you're always conscious of sin, if you're conscious of the politics, if you're conscious of what somebody's done to you, you'll always be experiencing it. But if you're conscious of Jesus, if you're conscious of the blood, you're conscious of redemption, in such a consciousness that it's a daily thing, you'll begin to experience the power of the blood. You'll begin to experience the life of the blood. The reason that so many Christians are just living a religious life is because they're more conscious of everything else every day than they are of the life of God in them and the blood of Jesus. And again, uh, don't anybody receive any condemnation from that. What we're looking for, especially in the day that we live in right now, where God is really moving upon the peoples of the earth. He wants his church to have such a revelation, to grow in revelation, because we can just get glimpses and grow in the glimpses. It won't come all at once. But we begin to realize and understand the power of the blood that cleanses us from unrighteousness. The power of the blood that made us right with God. Made us sons and daughters. That righteousness, that right relationship, that reconciliation wasn't just me and you. It was him in me, the Christian life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm intertwined with him. Every, every day about every part of life is me and him together intertwined. Me asking him of his wisdom, his knowledge. What should we do right here? We should do this, I don't want to, but not my will, but thy will be done. And if we do that consciously, it may have a few hiccups at the beginning, like, oh, the cross, but after the cross is the resurrection. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't looking all that great to Jesus at first, was it? He's in the garden like, I know this is going to be rough. Not my will, but thy will be done. And he gets done with thy will be done, and they arrest him. But it's moving to an end of the power of the resurrection. So everybody who arrested him, everybody who crucified him, the day that grave was empty, there were some eyes popping open going, uh-oh. 
So it may not seem all that great at the beginning, but if we decide with God, we walk with God, there may be some things that fall off and die, but resurrection life is coming forth, and it's going to look a lot better, and the value of life is going to be there, and the hope and expectation of things to come will arise to a whole new level if we understand the power of the blood. So in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In him... Speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. In other words, his blood purchased our life out of every evil thing, out of every sin. It purchased it out of our own wrongdoing, our own bad decision-making, and brought us into fellowship or righteousness with God. And the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not anything we deserved, just the only thing what he could do. Wash us clean. Colossians says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Now to move forward, there's something so vital in this understanding. It has to go past the mental, I know I'm forgiven, to allow the application of the blood to know I'm washed I'm cleansed, and I'm sanctified. So I don't struggle with who I am any longer. I don't struggle with the guilt and the shame that sin brought, that I'm always trying to manipulate and cover so I don't feel bad or feel unworthy or worthless even around other people. I've been washed, I've been cleansed, I've been cleaned up. I see my value has increased in Christ Jesus. You know, I had somebody come up to me. I, I just parked. I, I, I pulled in for gas with my truck. A guy jumps out of his car. He said, I'll give you $10,000 right now for your truck. I said, can't do it. But man, when I got that truck, it wasn't worth $10,000. Jesus, come in, create a value in your life that somebody will stop and go, wow, wow. You ever seen anybody like that? They pull their vehicle out, it gets dust on it, and they shine it up because it has such value to them. We'll get to that place of understanding redemption that we won't go out and just allow our life to get dirty. We'll carry a spiritual cloth with us. Keep it shined up. Looking like Jesus. Not religious. Just knowing the value of our life. Why would I do that when my life is so valuable? Why would I give myself to that when my life is so valuable? Young ladies, understand this. Why would you give yourself to somebody that's not going to give you the value that Jesus has given you? Why would you do that? Because you don't really understand. Oh, yeah, I'm going to find the right guy. Well, you might not. Because if you don't know how valuable you are, then you'll give yourself to somebody who doesn't know the value. But when you know how valuable you are, whoo, you say, listen, no, 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 no. Not you. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll love you, I'll be sweet to you. No, no, you don't even get it. Young men, to know the value that you have, you're not just going to go out and allow somebody to lure you because you know who you are. 
See, the world has brought such a, 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 a devaluing of that that we give ourselves. We think, oh, this is going to give me value, this relationship, but you're giving it to somebody who doesn't even know your value. So how in the world can they value you when they don't understand your value? And we do that in so many areas of our life that God says, I want to raise you up. I want to raise you up. I want to give you an understanding. I want to wash you. I want to clean you. I want you to get shined up and look in there and say, all right, nobody. I'm not letting anybody take the value out of this. God's put so much value in this. Why would I let man take value out of this? Man, it would turn a lot of things around in our culture today. But people don't know, and even the church doesn't. That's why we're talking about it, because if we can get it, we'll be lights in the world. We'll begin to lift up our head, not with self-righteousness, but to show people you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to walk with your head down. You don't have to give yourself over to stuff just for mere enjoyment that will devalue you. But you can give yourself over to stuff that will continually increase your value and fulfill the life that's on the inside of you. So it says he forgave our sin. He totally washed us and cleansed us of our sin. He washed the guilt. He washed the shame. Right? He washed the power of sin away. He washed the feeling of punishment away by the blood of Jesus. Just think for a moment. If you have to close your eyes and imagine, I'm so washed. Those areas of my life that hinder me, that come back, when, when something happens, oh, this must be because. The things that you think about that hinder you, oh, well, that wasn't right, but... It still resides in there. It's still part of that. To just imagine the blood of Jesus washing over it because that's actually what happens. He washes it. He said, when I washed it, I absolutely washed it. It's gone. I took it away. I took the stain out. I took the guilt out. I took the punishment out. I washed it away. And when I look at you, I don't remember what you're talking about. Why do you remember it? Because if we didn't, we wouldn't go back to it. We would walk with him. See, the enemy says, aha, you're not guilty. Go do it. You say, listen, no, I'm not guilty. Why would I go back to that guilt and shame when I have none of it? Why would I go back to making my own decisions without him? that caused me to devalue my life rather than walk in the value of it. So he cleansed us. Now, he came to live on the inside of us. I'm going to give you this because God really impressed upon me to say this before we take communion. And that is in John chapter 20, Jesus came to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. He was speaking to them, and it says that Jesus breathed on them, John chapter 20, verse 21. He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Many theologians believe that they got born again that day. They received the life of God. So we don't see that in many instances. We see it at the very beginning where God breathed into Adam his life. So Jesus being raised from the dead, having a newness of life, now breathed the very life of God into his disciples. So now they're experiencing this life of God in them. And he says, this life of God in you is now my kind of life. So I want you to realize something, and in my kind of life, there's a new dynamic that comes into your life, which is expressly, he said this, whose sins you forgive, they will be forgiven. 
And whose sins you retain, they will be retained. There's something about the understanding and the power of forgiveness of sin that is amazingly incredible of how it really works in your body and affects your body. So the man in Luke chapter 5 that they lowered through the, the, the ceiling, Jesus first of all said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And it really irritated everybody when he said that. So Jesus looked at him and said, man, take up your bed and walk. He said, which is easier to say? Y'all are confused. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or take up your bed and walk. Y'all are getting caught up on the wrong thing because I'm going to release this man from what's bound him and he's going to walk. So we do see that sin has an effect upon our lives and upon our bodies. So number one, the understanding of cleansing will set many people free. Today, if you go home and apply it and imagine it and watch that, it'll set you free. The thing you've been saying, I'm trying to get loose of, but I can't. The enemy just has a hook in your memory and your consciousness. That, ex that exists there. You made that mistake, and you're going to continue because it's part of who you are. When you see the blood of Jesus wash over you, and you say, listen, that thing is gone. Jesus took it away, and the enemy comes and says, no, this is the way you do it. No, I don't. I didn't even recognize that. It's been taken away. Not imaginary like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus forgave me. No, he took it away. It doesn't exist anymore. It went to the dump. No more comfortable easy chair, even though it stinks and it's wore out. Who knows what resides in there? <laughs> Couldn't get rid of all that stinking stuff because it was too comfortable. I was used to it. Now I'm not as comfortable. But wow, brand new chair. Brand new start. This one's even better. So he took it away. When you have that in your knowing, you're not pulled every direction. You live with him. But I believe that the Spirit of God showed me this for someone that will radically change your body today. Mark chapter 11, 25, Jesus said, while you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. For if you don't forgive them, neither can your Father in heaven forgive you. So we get into this and we mentally try to manipulate that we've forgiven somebody. Yet it comes back to us in a moment's time Something gets stirred up. But Jesus, in the understanding of forgiveness, the true understanding of forgiveness is that he released it. it took, it's gone. He took it away. So we get into the, the little manipulation based on who we are. I understand all this. I just want at least one person to grab this because it will make a difference in your healing. And you've noticed I forgave them, but I remember everything about everything that happened, but I forgave them. God said, when it truly comes over and I wash over you with the blood of Jesus, I want to take that, not just your sin, but the offense against you, and I want to wash it so utterly clean that you can't remember it. Because he said to them after he breathed on them, he said, whose sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. In other words, whoever you forgive, it'll be taken away. Glory to God. Why would I set them free? You're not. It's being taken away from you. God will deal with them. But when you forgive, it's taken away from you. But then he makes this subsequent statement. Whoever sins you retain, they will be retained. Now remember our lesson last week, consciousness. If I retain it, I'm conscious of it, then I'm experiencing it. So if I'm still conscious of the sin against me, it's mine. I retain it. 
So if I retain it, how can God forgive me if I hold on to it? God wants to forgive me. Take it away. But I'm holding on because it was something against me. He said, listen, if you let it go, God will take it away with the blood. But if you hold on to it, you will continue to experience it, its degradation, its defilement, and its hindrance upon you, your emotion, and your body over and over because you have retained it. But the knowledge of the blood. He wants us to experience the blood. See, you're holding on to it because somebody has to pay for what they did. But see, our lack of understanding, somebody did pay Jesus. But wait a minute. And then we get confused. So that means that I have to be all buddy-buddy and, no, you just have to let it go. You don't have to put yourself back in a position to be wounded. But you can't say I'm not putting myself in a position to be wounded and the way I'm doing that is I'm going to continue to remember what was done to me. No, you didn't. You are experiencing it all the time. <laughs> and it's messing with you. So, you're, well, if I forgive them, then i got to engage with them again? Listen, you haven't forgiven them, and you're engaged with it all the time. <laughs> I didn't say you have to let it go and call them up and have them to dinner tomorrow. You just have to let it go, send it away. So now when you look down on the inside, you're experiencing the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. And you see clearly the Christ that dwells in you. And it begins to affect your mortal body. Someone today, I just know this by the Spirit of God, someone today is going to grab that. You may not fully understand it, but you're going to start today by the grace of God to let that go and not retain it. And the moment you do by the grace of God, healing will begin to work in your body until you're 100% whole. And it's a subtle thing because we say, I forgave them, but I believe God's showing it up to at least one person. You keep saying you're forgiving, you're trying, but this is a moment where you're going to call upon me and have a revelation of the blood and allow it to go with the cleansing of the blood. And when you allow that offense to go with the cleansing of the blood, what will wash away is that sin against you. And what will flow in is a restoration and a healing to your body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Well, we're all ready to take communion. You should have received the elements when you came in. Talking about the blood of Jesus, one of the things to keep it in our consciousness is to receive communion or to take communion. Five-second rule. And so as we prepare to take communion today, just examine your own heart. Your own life. Don't do it casually. Don't go, yeah, I don't have anybody. Stop for a minute. 
Say, Holy Ghost, show me right now. Show me right now. Desire in your heart. I want, when we take communion, I want you to have a, a focus, a mental picture. We use our imagination for so many odd things. I want you to imagine as we partake of this and we partake of the cup, that the blood of Jesus begins to wash over every area of your body, your mind, your emotion, your body. And it begins to cleanse out everything that sin has had an effect on. That it washes away the guilt, the fear of punishment, washes away any power that sin has tried to exercise in your life. That today is a day of freedom to be experienced through the blood of Jesus Christ. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Today I deliver you to you that which was delivered to me, that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, and he said, This is my body, which was broken for you. We talked about this last week, that the whole cross and the nature of the cross was self-sacrifice, that Jesus gave his body up. And in that, the Bible says, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Jesus dying and giving self-sacrifice opened up our access to the presence of God and to everything that God has for us. So he said, take and partake of my body, which was broken for you in sacrifice that you might experience the life that comes through my broken body. Let's partake. <clears throat> it says, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant just means this, that I've given my life. You've received that. Everything that I have belongs to you, and everything that you have belongs to me. And so as he sacrificed his life, then we come and we give our life in return and we join together in this oneness of life. That he's cleansed us, he's washed us, that it might fit perfectly. He might move into this brand new person, washed, cleansed, transformed, renovated. We're not just sitting anymore calling ourselves Christians, but he's moved on the inside. He's turned the key. The new heart, the new engine begins to run. We're making a little bit of noise knowing that there's a confidence and a power. When we begin to go out of this place, we're running differently on life. Knowing that not only do we have all the renovated equipment for human life, but He inhabits our life. He is the one guiding, driving, and equipping our entire life. Let's partake of the cup. Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that redeemed us, purchased our life, ransomed us back fully, absolutely, and totally from sin. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon each and every person, begin to move in their heart and their life, Create in them the will, the desire 
more than ever before to do your good pleasure. To understand that it was your blood that washed us and cleansed us. That it's your spirit that's renovating our life into that newness of life. That we truly might operate and live our life to the full, the highest level possible. Empowered by your spirit, purchased by your blood. Grant unto us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. That we might know your will and comprehend it with spiritual understanding. That we truly might walk in the value of what you have brought to our life. Empowered by the Spirit of God. Overcoming things of the past with a vision of a fresh new life and future in Christ. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, there will be altar workers up here to pray with you. That message today stirred your heart and you say, I don't know. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Just come up here and ask them and say, you know what, I, need, I would like you to pray with me to make Jesus the Lord of my life. They'll be right here. They love you. They, they want to pray with you that you might experience him coming into your life, being totally washed and cleansed. If you have a need of healing, you have a need of prayer for anything else or agreement, they'll be right up here to pray with you. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus... Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. Wait. Oh, sorry. We've got to pray for the missions team. Oops. All right. Missions team, come up here. Sorry. It's just the way it goes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, this group of uh, bold people, we're going to the Middle East. We're leaving Friday at 1.30, and uh, we're going to be over there uh, ministering uh, to people and uh, bringing Jesus uh, to them in their life, praying for them. In many ways, we're believing for healings and signs and wonders and miracles. And so, um, we want to pray for this team to be equipped and ready to go. And uh, so, I'm going with... This bunch of great-looking people on fire for God. And so uh, I believe that we're leaving with the grace that's on this place. So uh, if, you wanna, if anybody wants to just come up and, and pray for some of these, everybody didn't have to, but a few, come up and pray. And we're going to pray over the team. Stretch out your hands here. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for every opportunity that we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to fulfill the great commission. Father, so I thank you in the name of Jesus that you grant unto each one boldness. I thank you, Father, that the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit of God begin to operate in their hearts and in their lives and through them. As we come in contact with those in need, with those who uh, need a touch from God, those who need a word from the Spirit of God, those who need a revelation of the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ, that each one would have boldness to speak your word. 
that stretching forth your hand, even signs and wonders might be done in the name of Jesus. The fathers, we go out, that we would go as lights in the midst of darkness. God, there would be great uh, 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 anointing upon each and every member as they go. Great grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of the living God, strengthening each one, equipping each one. We thank you for divine favor wherever we go. Doors open that no man can shut. Other doors closed that no one can open. That we're in the right place at the right time with the right people to do what you have planned for this trip. We thank you, Father, for angels of the covenant guarding around about each and every one of them. That everywhere we go, every vehicle we get in, every person that we confront, there's divine protection. Angels guard round about us according to the 91st Psalm. Thank you, no sickness, no plague comes near our dwelling place. Father, I thank you this will be a great trip, that we'll come back and report of the great things that you have done through this team. And we do thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah.